Let's get on to round nine's considerable winners and mammoth losers. And Maxie, let's start with you. This was a Sunday night blockbuster and it was Justin Longmuir up against his old assistant coached side. And gee whiz, you got to say, the man must have had a fair bit of intel. Yeah, he must have. I think it was it was a pretty impressive um, performance by Fremantle because Collingwood sort of kicked away during the sort of second quarter and then Freire again kicked away in the third quarter and Collingwood brought it back at three-quarter time and you just thought Collingwood are too good of a side. Freire are going to find a way of losing this. But um, I've been impressed with Freire all year. Like even though, even though they were losing at the start of the year, considering how young they are, I've been pretty impressed with them for a side that's three and six. They have a percentage of 84.6, which I reckon is a pretty good sign for um, a team who's actually three and six. So it was a really good win against um, Collingwood. They've been in most of the games and they did it without a huge performance from Nat Fife, particularly in the second half. He went forward. He played on Darcy Moore for a, a lot of minutes and he sort of, there are a few contests where you can see that he's sort of still feeling the effects from doing his answering. So I don't think he's 100%. The young midfielders were really impressive. I really like Caleb Saron, who was the NAB Rising star a few weeks ago, and then also Brayshaw and Chera, who's starting to come along, and also Connor Blakely came back for his first game in a while. And he played in the midfield, and I think that's where he naturally plays under Ross Lyon. He's getting played a bit across halfback. He had 23 disposals. Luke Ryan, mate, from Coburg. You're in. Hey! <laughs> Saturday sun, I met someone. He's, he's turned himself into an elite intercept marker and also Matty Tabernard, a man who, who loves playing against the Bombers. <laughs> loves pulling out the rig, does Matty Tabernard. Yeah. Um, four goals in a two-goal game is a big effort and he did it playing against a first gamer, an Irishman named Mark Keane for, for the Pies. A uh, few of the commentators were sort of under wondering why did Collingwood drop um, Jordan Ruffhead, which was a bit of a mystery. I think most people would look at Jordan Ruffhead think he's doing a pretty good job for Collingwood. Um, I imagine Collingwood supporters know more about that than I would, but it's a strange decision to play a first-game Irishman against Matt Tabner, the guy who kicked four goals. If you're going to keep doing it, why not switch Darcy Moore in the last quarter, <laughs> which is what I was sort of wondering. But Maxie, you've got to say... He wouldn't have been too keen lining up on him. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to sneak in an accident. <laughs> but um, yeah, so a good win for Freo. Justin Longmuir, as you said, against Collingwood. So I'm sure he had a lot of intel. He kept them to 49 points again. So yeah, it's a really good win for Freo again. They've got the bye this week. And then the following two games are Hawthorne and Carlton, both Optus. So given Hawthorne's just beaten Carlton in a pretty good comeback win, I reckon Freo is still a 50-50 chance. I reckon both those games are sort of 50-50 opportunities. So if they continue to win maybe one of those, be competitive in the rest, I think it's a good sign for Fremantle to come. Yeah, it's it's... Hard to see. If you watch back the footage and you look at a lot of the contests, it doesn't look like they put a lot of work into Caleb Sarong, particularly a player who at the time was probably the best player on the ground in that last quarter. Yeah, he probably was. It's a funny thing because just watching him the last two weeks, he sort of reminds me a lot of Taylor Adams, who he was sort of playing up. He was playing on in the last quarter, which is sort of funny. As you said, he ran right. But yeah, I don't know how much of this game had to do with the turbulent week that Collingwood had themselves with to do with Nathan Buckley. I think he was quarantined for 24 hours and he couldn't speak to his players. Another controversial week at Collingwood. <laughs> but um, can't take anything away from Freo and especially Caleb Sarong, who Matt Rowe's not going to make a comeback. He looks like he could be a sneaky chance for the Rising Star at the end of the year.
Good to see as well, gents. 20-odd thousand or so in the house there for that game. And um, they certainly made a lot of noise. It was refreshing to see, even if it may have only been a third or so full the stadium. It sounded like a whole lot more, which was excellent. Perfect uh, TV slot. You'd just about call it prime time, as it would be on a Friday or Saturday. People are still going to watch it, I think. So they really can't go wrong there, putting more of those games on. Do you reckon they'll stick with it next year, sir? I hope they do. I really hope they do. I suppose if the game starts at around 3 o'clock in Western Australia, then it's not a really late night, even when you do stretch out the quarters a little bit longer. Hopefully they'll do that next year. But yeah, it's, it's not a super late night for the young families and for the spectators. And look, uh, a lot of tradies who might be going might extend their weekend depending on who wins. But I think it's a good concept. And as you guys mentioned, for TV viewership, I think it's a very, very smart decision. Yeah, I also love the really early start on a Sunday as well, like the one o'clock start as well. And there's no overlap. So wait, waking up a bit later on a Sunday, and you don't have to wait too long for the footy to start. And then you can watch all three games if you want to back-to-back without any gaps in between. So I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of that as well. Yeah, as you mentioned, you can roll out of bed a little bit later. You know, if you've had a big sweet 16, you can get out of bed and you can watch the footy and it's fan-bloody-tastic. So I think it would be great to see more of those games in the future. And as you mentioned, Maxi, you much rather games that don't overlap. You have three in a row rather than two being played at the same time. So hopefully the AFL stick to that formula. And we've got to say, gents, game, set, match for the Fremantle Dockers. And as for Bucks, well... Expensive game of tennis. Fryzy, let's get to your considerable winner for this week because the reigning premiers are well and truly back and they touched up a team who were absolutely storming into the top six. Fryzy, who's your considerable winner this week? Did they ever? Yes. Yeah. So uh, as you quite rightly mentioned, Serbs, I'm going to raise Richmond this week. They... Sort of prior to this um, big win over the Dogs, I guess you might say they looked a little bit unsettled, you know, coming off a flag, all sorts of things, the uncertainty, some injuries, whatnot. They really got it together and absolutely put the Dogs to the sword. So a very complete performance up there at Metricon. Probably their best so far for the year, just about, I might say. It really felt like return to the Richmond that we've known for the last few seasons. And as you said, the Bulldogs, good form coming in, a side that's now expected to challenge. A seven-goal win was set up by a perfect first half. You know, they got to a four or five-goal lead and by halftime, that was 40-odd points. There's sort of no return from there for the Dogs. The big players, I suppose, as you'd expect, they finally got them firing as well. Uh, Lynch and Rewell combined well together. Three goals for Dusty as well in probably a best-on-ground performance, Serbs. Gosh, and wasn't that goal tied in the pocket as well on the run just exceptional? I mean, it's very hard to believe that over the last couple of seasons, some people seem to write him off about his impact and what he can do. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's an out-and-out champion. And we're seeing, again, just the sensational impact that he can have on the game. It's hard to believe that anyone has doubted him in the past. Yeah, good shout, sir. That was an absolutely outrageous uh, effort there from the pocket. I, I agree. If there's, if there's one player in the whole competition you don't want to start putting the out in there, you'll probably have that come back to haunt you pretty quick, as we've seen. With all of Richmond's depth, it's going to be fascinating for Izzy over the next month to see how many of those players who have really established themselves, your Noah Bolters, your Shy Boltons, even Jake Arts with his pressure to some extent, how many of those players are actually going to retain their spots? Yeah, you're right, Serb. It's, uh, it's well said. Look, built on system, these guys, and it just seems like even when injuries and whatnot hit, they 
seemed to have enough in the in the production line, not necessarily in the best 22. In they come and might fly under the radar as such. They certainly know how to dig this list out of any trouble when such circumstance arise. So it is a big test of the depth, but so far we've seen that it's it's certainly there. And Maxi, in such a close season where teams in the top eight are separated by a matter of games and some of them even half game, can you see them finishing in the top four, potentially the top two, if they continue their form? I think top four, whether or not they're top two, I'm not sure. I think top two is sort of a battle between Port Adelaide, Brisbane and West Coast. Sort of interesting discussion. I'm wondering later in the year whether a Victorian side is going to be able to win this year. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not Richmond or maybe St Kilda can pull it off. I reckon they're at a pretty big disadvantage when you look at Port Adelaide, Brisbane and West Coast, especially West Coast, who I think is currently the flag favourite, but you, you can't doubt Richmond. <laughs> they won two of the last three flags and they've got a lot of cavalry to recall when they when they all return from injury and yeah, you can't write off Richmond at all. I think it's not next week, it's next round, which begins on Saturday. They've got Port Adelaide, Ooh. which will be a really interesting game that I'm looking forward to. So that'll be first versus fifth in Port Adelaide. So Port have got a pretty bad record at home this year. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not Richmond can pull a win and maybe if they can beat Port then they will be top four. You know, some of the best premierships are won in adversity. I think if, remember Hawthorne in 2014 had a huge amount of injuries and people kept on writing them off, kept on writing them off, and they ended up pulling up one of the great premierships. So if Richmond can end up winning this, then this might be the best of their three. You're absolutely right about Hawthorne. They weren't even favourites going into that grand final against the Swannies. Thought it was going to be a big blowout, but it went the other way. It was unbelievable. So never ride off the champions.